And I think they just, he's supposed to be a New York person. But he says something ridiculous. He says, I never thought talking to a murderer would take precedent over running a railroad. I mean, it's, it's a dumb thing to say. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, now that young boy we saw, not only was he young Tony Soprano, but he was also Howard Stern in private parts as young Howard Stern in 1997. That movie was... Wow, I can't believe that movie was only 1997. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember when, that, that um, Howard was taken to his father's work and that guy started freaking out and breaking records? And right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard's father goes, I order you the power invested in me from the federal communications. That he was young Howard gawking, you know, watching. Okay, yeah, I remember that. That within a 10 block radius, there's like 20 different places you could access the street, and that's for safety, but it sure does help a hijacker, you know. Oh, they're picking up, and there's Starbucks in every corner, so they can get probably get a frappuccino whenever they want. Now, here's something ridiculous. This guy tells the SWAT guy to go downstairs and then take him out, but that doesn't happen in the plot. But it is what he says. That is his line, and he sends the SWAT team down, and all they do is like observe. They're called snipers, is what they're called in the in the teleplay. Right. Now, a New York City car would have the number on the front of the train. That is one thing I notice that's different from a Toronto car. You would be, you'd see a big circle with the letter three, number three, um, letting you know what train was coming. Well, I mean, you could just tell by the sound if you're a real New Yorker. You're like, that sounds like the. Tell him too. I uh, know you cannot, Mike. Uh, no, <laughs> it sounds like well, a train I mean, coming down the track. <laughs> oh, listen, when I'm in uh, San Francisco, I could tell, like you know, the, what Bart's coming, whether it's the Richmond train or not. Mm-hmm. I just close my eyes and uh, try not to get thrown into the train, and I could hear it. Yeah, you could just feel it. They announce it. They announce it. <laughs> That's how you know. Yeah. They'll say, next train. Stop fuck. So now we're getting the backstory of why he got disgr why he's disgruntled. Um, they, there was like a um, there was like a train driver who was like contracted with the mob, and they would give him some drugs, and he would take it down the line and hand it off to a contact. And they framed him for it, so he's all bitter. Gotcha. So now, well, what a way to almost is like, hey, there was another voice on the line. Let's hear it back. And this is when they figure out it's some disgruntled guy. Sneeze. Right 
Flatbush. I mean, that so describes the woman of today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say that. Sometimes. I think that's about my tattoo. Man, he almost has not stood up. No, he did. He was standing in the beginning of this movie. He hasn't left the center yet. Now, his this actor, who's just the disgruntled guy, his name is Richard Schiff. And um, he was on West Wing. People know him from that. He got an Emmy Award. Um, but he was actually like a director and producer. And then he tried his hand at acting. And the very first time he did, well, I could be wrong with the very first time, but very easily... Steven Spielberg just happened to watch this TV drama High Incident and liked him and cast him in The Lost World for Jurassic Park. And that led to him being oh. cast in lots of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, Spielberg likes to watch crap, you know. Yeah. Get inspired. I'm sure he was just sitting around, you know, you know, whatever, poolside having oh, a, a And some show. I'm sure the guy's manager. I'm sure somehow, like, they, they pushed on, I just said, I can't imagine. Now, um, he, I don't know his name, so I keep on calling him Gomer Pyle. Vincent Donofrio. Um, DiCaprio. Vincent DiCaprio. He was also in uh, 2015's, uh, you know, the Jurassic Park series, Jurassic World. In 2015. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, wait, 2015, so he was in World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my son is a fan of Jurassic Park, and he says that the new ones, he just doesn't even care. They're not associated with the old ones, really, you know? Yeah, no, they mentioned, like, previously, we had tried a park, and now, welcome to the world. They they kind of reference in that one. That was our first try. Yeah, you know what? The second Jurassic World is like uh, kind of felt pointless, you know? Yeah. Well, came back from- the wow, second one start. was when it goes to Los Angeles, and it was directed by Steven Spielberg. It was. But you're right. It's just Wait, sort of like a moneymaker. Oh, so you're talking about Jurassic Park 3. I was talking about Jurassic World 2. But, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. That was directed by Spielberg. The third, he did the first two. Jurassic Park was the first one, of course, and then The Lost World, yeah. which is when he goes to Los Angeles. That was the second one. That was right, right. the third one. Was yeah, with, I do just um, uh, Sam Neill, and the yeah. boy from the first movie, Lost. Um, and that was also just for money, but it was a good one, I felt. But it was also not Spielberg and just for money. Yeah, but world is kind of I don't know. World's all right. It's tolerable, but then by the second second world, you're just like okay, enough. I don't yeah. need another fucking franchise. Making money. Okay, now she's singing to the kid, and Mr. Brown freaks out. Call nine one one when you go to the phone to pee. She's really pretending to freak out. She's acting, acting. Huh. And Donnie tells her to get it together. 
Hold it together, girl. Was he in Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? Was he in his brother's groups? <laughs> no, he was a new kid. You're right. He was a new kid. Excuse me. New kids on the block. Related to he Mark, is he? Mark Wahlberg and Donnie Wahlberg, they're brothers. Really? <laughs> but what an yeah, age. And they have another brother. And their other brother has hamburgers. Donnie Wahlberg and Mark Wahlberg are related. What made you think otherwise? Uh, because of the age difference, because of the years between their fame. Unless I'm wrong about that. Well, one was in New Kids in the Block, and the other one was in the Funky Bunch. That was concurrent. Okay, I guess so. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a definite uh, not paying attention. Oh, well, of course not, Mark. Uh, Mike, what are we talking about here? We're talking about new kids on the block, and we're talking about an advertising, right, right an underwear commercial. Of course I wasn't paying attention. That was a... <laughs> right? He was a... Well, yeah. It, yeah, but the songs are separate. I mean, he went on tour with it. It wasn't like... Uh, he, he did have his underwear promotion, but... Listen, okay, anytime I'm watching the TV and it said, new kids on the block, I'm flipping the channel. Uh, you know that, I mean, we were into The Clash and uh, The Jam and, right. you know, we were not looking at, I remember on Fishburgers you said, you're a new poopy head on the block. I mean, th that band was a joke to us. Of course I wasn't paying. Fishburgers, of course, public access television show we did in 1990. Everybody uh, knows for, that. for our new listeners, <laughs> yeah, go to our YouTube channel, Fishburgers, and check us out originally. But you know, there was that boy band phenomenon. There was, uh, and the new kids brought, and I guess uh, new edition. Look, uh, if I grew up in the '60s, I wouldn't have been paying attention to the Osmonds. You know, it's it's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> new kids on the block. Who cares? I don't know one of their songs. You know their songs. Yeah, hanging tough. Hanging tough. <laughs> Am I tough enough? <laughs> okay. Yes. I'll have to Google that or YouTube it. Hanging yeah. tough. Am I tough enough? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Once you go to a record store and ask them if they have a copy of Tough Enough, I'm, Am I Tough Enough, please? Okay, so I would like to be very angry at this film because they have, have a Jewish stereotype on the train. And he talks like this. Hello, I am the Jewish stereotype. So he goes to Gomer Pyle and says, hey, can I ask you how much you are getting? You know, and, and these guys well, like, it's none of your concern. And he goes, a man likes to know what he is worth. I just think it's very insulting. Yeah, well, it is New York City. So, of course, uh, you know, you can't. Throw a dead, swing a dead cat without bumping into a New York Jew. But the thing is, I can say that. why make the New York awesome. Jew care so much about money? And as a matter of fact, when the guy tells right. him $5 million, the Jew goes, each? And he goes, no, in, uh, in total. And he goes, I'm not worth very much. I mean, it's it's so... It, it's you don't feel I'm not even Jewish, and I feel insulted by that. Yeah, I guess, you know, well, someone has to bring that up. How are we going to bring up their salad? I know, how would you ask them? Okay, he asked for $5 million because he knew that that's what could legally 
Oh, by the way, he said hundreds and fifties only, and there's a bunch of twenties in here. He's gonna be pissed. Um, it is a New York TV movie budget. <laughs> he knew uh, what they could get together without like heavy authorization. He knew that five million dollars was the highest he could ask for and get it in one hour. That's why he chose that money. Oh. And that's just him. Well, why can't they just drive the money train over? <laughs> the money train? Yeah, you've seen the movie The Money Train? There's a money train in the subway station that goes around and there's money in the train. They call it money train. I think I – that sounds very familiar. Is it a movie? Yeah, Woody Harrelson. Wesley Snipes. Should I see it? There's some content. No. Good. Yeah, if you have TBS, I'll put it here. But it was uh, it had some notoriety because there's a scene where they I think they throw acid or something on a uh, on a ticket seller and uh, and the booth and they said oh no real life don't do that don't do that in real life we're just a movie we don't want to encourage anyone. Now there's sister we see her every now and again she's a female in the center. Now what happens is a car crash there's an accident. You know, because they said we have to have this money in one hour, and you know this is like another uh, trouble in the you know making it hard for Edward yeah. almost. Now, did they just crash into a bunch of mannequins? Mannequins, yeah. Boy, you know how that can dent a vehicle. Oh my goodness! How many? What's the casualty count? The casualty count? Let me count the monkeys. Well, we killed Mannequin and Mannequin 2 on the move. Forget the health of the drivers. Get the money. By the way, the internet said it was very important to let you know these are Toronto motorcycle uh, cops um, vehicles, <laughs> not New York. New York motorcycles look different. Do we care? Gotcha. Yeah, I guess. Uh, no, not really. Did you ever see Jackie Chan and Rumble in the Bronx? That was shot in Toronto. Oh, was it? Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it keeps going to Tim Hortons. All over the place is like the Toronto subway map on this car, but like you can't ever really see it. But the internet also thinks that's important, like it's a big gaffe that the Toronto map was all over this New York City car. Huh. Oh yeah, that's another. De that's probably why I never got the educated release. We we're too embarrassed. We can't release that. So of course it's like there's been an accident, and Mr. Blue is like, "That's not my problem. I'm going to kill a hostage, uh, you know, for every minute that the money's not here." Right. Now of course he's got 14 minutes. Now look, it's down, and it's going to be time to kill a hostage now. What a bummer. So this is my least favorite part of my job. It's the worst part of the job is actually having to kill a hostage. I remember. I mean, it gets easier, right? As you kill more hostages, but. So Edward. It's almost, a lot easier if you. Edward almost yeah. gets the, the, the good idea to lie to him. The money has arrived. Even Yay. Money. 
He just wants to have them not kill a hostage. Oh, well, good thinking. It is, actually. You mean Yeah. What is bullshit? Where's my money? Yeah. Here's the next instructions. <laughs> so he's going to make them believe that they're going to ride the train to where an armored car will take them to a gassed up airplane for an international flight. And um, that's not the truth. They're really going to get off the train and have it go automatically and make it seem like... Um, you know, while they walk away from one of those 20 exits uh, in a 10-block radius. So that's the big plan. Right. Now, they're stalling because the money really has just arrived. Those are all Toronto buildings, by the way, with the 28... Who do those officers think they are? Do you think they're Mr. Moneybags or something? Mr. Moneybags. Okay, the, yeah. there's somebody, the motion detectors has detected somebody in the, on the tracks, but it's way too early for the money to be walking down. So we find out that it's dumbass TV news people trying to get a scoop. Now, here we have a cop fantasizing that he's shooting someone on board. Wait, let's see, hold on. All right. Oh, they got the press in there already. Yeah, I might. Have told, oh, there he is. See the cop, right? He thinks he's all alone. Yeah. So he's pretending, right? He sees Mr. Brown. So he's like, and he blows the smoke off his fingers. Watch. There he goes. <laughs> really professional. So then he does the dumb cop move and makes a big noise and a whole bunch of. You know, he alerts the 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 kidnappers, the hijackers. Oh yeah. And for some. Oh, because they see the camera. Start shooting. And while the current while well, current affair records the whole thing. Right, current affair. Hard copy. Covering the most exciting news of 1998. Up, oh, Mr. Pew, Brown is pew. shot. She should have listened to cop. I, I see the regular life. I see it coming. Yeah. Wow, a little shootout. Now, what, what's your opinion about when TV remakes theatrically released movies? Like, I know there was a sequel to The Jerk called The Jerk 2, but sometimes they'll do, like, yeah, it's, it's T.O.O., The Jerk T.O.O. And the dog's name is like stupid. His dog's <laughs> name is not shit. Who's the hero? It's a guy who's similar to Steve Martin. I mean, it's 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 Nathan, but it's played by a different actor. Uh huh. Okay. And I I think they just actually do a PG version of a G version of the the jerk. It's on YouTube, I believe. Interesting. <laughs> that might be our. Oh wow! Thing. So top. 
Okay, so Bob, Babs is like, I know first aid, I know first aid. And so she rushes over to help her. And what she does by helping her is say, apply direct pressure. That's all she does. <laughs> Did she use head, head on? I've got a headache. Well, I have head on. Rolling. Oh, Vince is not into it. Now, unfortunately for us, Mr. Blue realizes that since they killed one of since they shot one of his people he's got to retaliate so even though we don't know it even though babs gets a sense of it babs is about to get killed and everybody can tell yeah he's like come here come here i'm not gonna kill you psych uh, dead cop walking. Even the little people knows that. Transit worker walking. <laughs> MTA. He goes, I want you to walk out there a hundred yards and wait for them to bring the money, and then I want you to carry it here. And he goes, she's like, should I ask for a medic? And he goes, mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> Which, of course, he wouldn't say, bring a medic on our train, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're just fucking with her. Uh, now, yeah. even Mr. Brown knows what's going to happen, you know? Right. Uh, can you sign my yearbook before you go? <laughs> before I go? Uh, I'll sign it with you. That's the undercover cop, that woman. And she doesn't do anything, 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 anything until the way end of the thing. So did you know that she's like, I, obviously we're not really paying that sort of attention, but is it kind of tip their hat that she's undercover in the beginning? No, they tell us that there is an undercover, you know, in the control room, it's revealed that there's an undercover cop because... There were two of them on the – they were, like, heading home, and one of them got off. And so when this happened, he goes, she's on the train. But she doesn't stop when they kill a cop? She That's does. That's crazy. Well, remember, you keep calling her a cop. She's a transit worker. Now, she sees the dead guy yeah, I like that. You hear this? Uh, these musical tones? They were done by Stuart yeah. Copeland of the police. I saw his name there. That's crazy. He did this music. After the police. Uh-oh. Ba-bam. Oh, no. What happened? That is... Wow. So, after the police, uh, he, like Mark... Ma Mother's Burrow, whatever his name is, of the Devo. He went yeah, into Devo. music for films and TV shows, and he had a lot of success doing it. Right. So this must have been a quick job for him. Yeah, I mean, like, immediately after the police, he did, like, Rumblefish, and he tried to continue on in pop music, but it was not working out for him. Uh, he's no sting, and uh, he uh, that's where he landed. And he had a lot of success. Did you? 
Now, he had a brother, right? Miles Copeland? It was Stuart Copeland and Miles Copeland. And Miles Copeland owned the record company, IRS Records. Uh-huh. Or Co-Rent. And the glitch was on IRS. Like, uh, did you ever see a movie called Arg, uh, Arg uh, Music War? U-R-G-H? It might just be, yeah, U-R-G-H, Ugg Music War. I guess no. It's good. It's really good. It has Devo. It has The Police. It has, like, uh, Wall of Voodoo and the Go-Go's. And it's just all these uh, early 80s L.A. bands and international bands. And most, and it was produced by Miles Copeland. It has a lot of IRS record label uh, people. The Cramps are in it. Oh, yeah, The Cramps. Can your pussy do the dog? <laughs> Can your pussy do the dog? The dog? Yeah, I was a big fan of the Cramps. I'll see if that's a Netflix special. I don't know. Oh, I would I would definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a great movie. Just all it's just performance after performance of different uh, different bands at different locations. Gary Newman. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Uh, here they are. Last stop. Is it well, going to the, uh, Okay, they're using the cops. I mean, <clears throat> they're going to go get the money from the cops, and they're using the kids so that two things. One is they don't shoot the hijackers, and the second one is they're going to open, you know, if there's a die pack in the, uh, in the money. Yeah. Okay, he looks like a record label, a record cover. Vincent, the lighting? Yes, he does. And like this whole thing is sort of art directed that way. Um, the colors are very bleak. I think that's probably our our uh, YouTube version. Yeah, it looks much better in 4K. HD. We this brought tomorrow's by critics. It didn't have high ratings. It kind of got forgotten about. It just seems like they had the title. You know, a lot of MGM movies get remade, uh, whether it's Point Blank or whatever, or, or RoboCop, just partially because they like to reuse the property. Uh, yeah, they, so someone probably said, they, "Hey, yeah, yeah." Now the woman who did this teleplay is called April Smith, and she really hugged the uh, Peter Stone. Uh, the guy who wrote the 1974 one was called Peter Stone, and uh, she really stuck to what he did. She added stuff like the um, the subplot with Mr. Brown. She added the motion detectors, but I mean, pretty much she kept to the original film. Yeah, it was a book. Well, it was like a pot. It was, yeah, it was a popular paperback. Yeah. Um. Under the writing pseudonym, the pen name of John Goody, um, it, this book was written. This guy's name was Morton Friedgood, and it pretty much, you know, was called The Taking of the Pelham 123. This director, he's just TV. He's, his name's Felix Enriquez Alcala, and all of his credits are, are TV. Crime Scene oh, Investigation. Yeah. Um, uh, his breakthrough was 
episodes of ABC's short-lived drama series Homefront. Uh, oh, wait. No, he did The Fire Down Below. He did do a... Do a oh. You know, with uh, Steven Seagal and... Um, yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah, Mike for Michael Caine says that. No, I love that movie. He At the end, Steven Seagal, the, the environment is good and uh, destroying the environment is bad. And yes. uh, people are trying to destroy the environment and uh, that falls under the bad category because it's, it's not good to destroy the. It gives a really long speech at the end. How much is enough? How much is enough? <laughs> yeah, you, you do a better job of it. I guess I never remembered any of that movie. I really like that because Michael Caine, you know, this guy was his trusted bodyguard. And all of a sudden he was like, how much is enough? And Michael Caine keeps looking at him like, uh, 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 what, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That was the best scene of the whole. Okay, so now he's explaining oh. himself. You shot one of my guys. I killed one of the hostages. You knew the consequence. And Edward almost, I think it's very ironic his name, because he was almost famous. Yeah. You know what I mean? He never burst out. I mean, he he was in movies. Look, he was Miami Vice. That's how we know him, right? He was the lieutenant in Miami Vice. He yeah, was in sure. the Blade Runner films. But then he was in, like, even Cowgirls Get the Blues. He was in A Million to One. You probably remember that film, right? They, uh, yeah, well, I think that's more stunt casting and even in Cowgirls. But he directed a movie, right? Uh, like... What was that? My American Life or something like that? And it was really good. I haven't seen it in a while. I miss. Uh, and he's he's in the news now. He's he's political. You know, he's a political. Uh, yeah. He's out there doing uh, doing stuff right now. So he's still in the news. Yeah, but when you see him now, he's got this like kind of cool older guy, white beard. You know, like yes, he, he does. wasn't clean shaven. Uh, almost that so we see in this movie. I think the Green Hornet in 2011 was his last movie credit wow no well he was a blade runner too yeah you're right because that was 2049 which hasn't even happened yet yeah. so you're right yeah i'm up to it uh 2017 was blade runner sequel 2017 so yeah yeah so you're right but of course he's gonna he's good they're gonna put him in that of course yeah, hell, they had Harrison Ford in there for no reason. Harrison Ford. I was really disappointed in that film because when I started watching that film, it was great. And it kept it yeah. all the way up until the um, police commissioner was like, we have to keep things as they are just for the heck of it. I don't know. The film started to deteriorate. By the time he found Harrison Ford, it's like you said, what for? What's the point of Harrison Phil Ford nice. being in this film? It, it all just fell apart. He was, he was just sleeping on the same bench he was sleeping on in the Star Wars sequels. You know, They're like, yeah, bring him in. Yep. Get the camera rolling. Yes. He closed his nose with a feather and wakes up. Huh? What's going on? All right. And that's a wrap of uh, Harrison Ford and Star Wars 8. Thanks, Harrison. 
Okay, so now right. we have this special contraption so that they can run the um, train without a person really being there. Because they have something called, like, the dead man's, I don't know, the, the person, the operator has to have his hand on the thing or it's not going to move. In case the guy, like, falls dead, you won't have some runaway train. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's good safety precautions. So, I carry that when I commute. I carry these metal bars in case this happens for the very reason. Okay, so the metal bars are to get around that. So they've got their money. They've told them that they got to turn on all the lights so that they're green all the way along. Are all trains right. Are all tracks clear? So it's going to make it look like they're making their escape to get to the armored car to get to the plane. But, of course, it's just a route so that they walk away. Yeah, because all the cops have seen Die Hard, so they know they're just getting fucked over. They're getting tricks. We will be doing what we said, wink, wink. Oh, shit, why did I say wink, wink out loud? So he pulls out the... Um, receiver and then Edward almost goes he's cut the connection it's kind of a joke <laughs> but it's for the screenplay you know so right wow look at these a creeper on the bus yeah well that's the one he's just... creeping on before and he did that on purpose to say to Mr. Blue you can't tell me what to do yeah, you're not tough enough. Are you tough enough? Ugh. Reference to a song I don't know. I can't believe you're not familiar with N B O T B N Y O T B. New no N K New Kids. But why would you think that I would be familiar with them? They were a boys band. I wasn't a preteen right. girl. Yeah, but you were caught up in it, right? I mean, didn't you have the pajamas and the, the towels and the... <laughs> You've been referring to this movie as the New Kids movie. I mean, come on, give me a break. We should really watch the New Kids movie. Please don't subject me to that torture. Now, you pick the movies if that's what you want to do. I will be there, but please don't. Yeah. Okay, there goes the train running itself, and the passengers are just oblivious, right? But the now there's the cop. Yeah, okay. Is that the Jewish guy? Yeah, and he's telling her, don't you go anywhere, bay, you lady. So now she hops off the train, and she hurts herself. Yeah. This is why they keep telling you not to do that. Escape. And Richard Schlack is like, what was that noise? <laughs> They're doing what they said they were going to do. All no backstabbing. Stops 
The dead man's pulley. The dead man's lever. Uh, I got it. Nobody's the, driving uh... the train, they realize, so we can get terror. What? Okay, $5 million so they can each get $1 million. That makes sense. Now they have to get rid of their coats. They have to get uh -huh. rid of their firearms, and they have to get rid of their machine guns. Oh, so they're going to walk above ground as, like, human beings carrying all that money? We're, we're not criminals. We don't have no guns. Train out of control. Runaway train. Runaway train. Now, Donnie refuses to give up his machine gun. Oh, yeah. He's a badass. Right. And he's like, hey, he makes new kid, lose the lose the machine gun. He's so tough, he makes Ski Olivers look like Matthew Lillard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think he's tough enough. What do you think? You think he's tough enough? Are you tough enough? Boom, he gets shot. Oh, no. Look at that acting. He oh, fell. Destruction. I guess uh, you get $1.25 million a piece. They didn't hit the money, did they? Uh, no, we missed the bag. Like, why shoot a man who's carrying a million dollars in cash? Now they're putting two and oh, well, they're together, working. figuring out they must have beat the dead man's pulley thing. Now, the undercover cop gets her gun, even though she's all hurt because well, she stepped off of the train, right. and she shoots one of them. She, she shoots, uh, uh, I think it's Mr. Hmm. Brown. Let's see. Mr. Red now. Mr. Red because of blood? Yeah. Got it. Or Pink Mist. Mr. Pink Mist. Boom! She shot. Oh. They heard the shot. And why do I got to be Mr. Pink? Cause you like the band. You like the singer Pink. You, that's all you talk about. Because you like new kids on the block. <laughs> well, that's a bust. Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg was on a bunch of TV shows, right? He's always one of those guys you just recognize on, like, procedurals or something. He was on a bunch of TV shows, and I have that written here somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure that oh, I was sure. so interested in it. Um, yeah, no. I, I only wrote down that he was in uh, Band of Brothers. Uh, Zookeeper, Dreamcatcher, The Sixth Sense, Righteous Kill, Ransom... And he was in a bunch of TV, and I didn't write it down. Yeah. So now yeah, there's so. two of them, so they each get $2.5 I guess? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They must have spent an extra five minutes counting the money and then doing it. Here, have another suitcase. But I think Mr. I brought this extra duffel bag. Mr. Blue does not come up. He goes over to the undercover police officer for some reason. He should have run away. Okay. 
Yeah, what's up with Blue? I thought he was a mastermind. I know. The thing is what he should do, and this is what really happened in the 1974 one, too. He's now having a shootout with Edward James almost. Yeah. Uh, no, he's not. No, he's not. That's to come. Right now, he's like, I recognize you from the train. What are you, a cop? And he goes, the mayor's going to be at your funeral. <laughs> what, a New York City mayor? Fuck that current guy. Who was mayor back then? Ninety-eight. Was uh, it Giuliani. It's Giuliani, yeah. Giuliani. But he doesn't shoot her because Edward almost shoots him. Wow, almost is in two other scenes, two different right. locations. He's actually shooting guys. I don't think so he's bleached out. It's almost black and white. I know, it's crazy. It's that 90s style. I guess, yes. Everything everything looks like a CD-ROM. You go ahead and shoot. Shoot already. So are they using the same scenes? Because all these cops are coming as he commits suicide by touching the third rail. Oh, I thought he was going to Mr. Blow his brains out. Blew his brains out. Bl Mr. Blew his brains out. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Why would he touch the third rail? Didn't he read the sign? Don't touch the third rail. Tell me something, Anthony. If this was San Francisco, he would have taken his shit in the t under the tracks first and then touched the third rail. He said, do they at the bar electrocute people? And yeah, like, well, it's, oh, yeah. I should have worn Velcro shoes. He electrocuted himself. There's some cruel shoes. <laughs> By the way, they do uh, have a death penalty in New York at this during this year. Really? Yeah, but he said they don't. Do they still execute people? And he said no. Runaway uh, train, runaway train. That's our third act uh, climax here. Well, we only got like 10 more minutes. So. Yep. Short ride. Yeah, right, Canal Street, Christmas Street. Canal Street, Christmas Street. <laughs> How fast the train's going. Village, East Village, Starter Village. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Long Island. Yeah, that was fast. Whoa, that was quick. Hey, you were not dead. Hey, hey. I can stereotype. <laughs> now here we are at the apartment, and he's loving his Look at money. That money pie. Get fuck that money. Move over, American Pie. Wee! Is that slow motion, Joe? It'd be a music video right now. Yeah. Wow, my salary for being in the Pella 123 DVD. The low budget is like $5 bills. Oh, no, 50 
It was 50s uh, and 100s, even though we saw 20s. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's just me and my money. Uh-oh. Money, did you hear that? Money, my wife's coming. Quick, <laughs> run in the closet. <laughs> now he's now they're knocking at the door as you can guess and they're they're looking there were only eight people left on the list because others had moved out of the city they had died right they had had medical problems whatever it was they did a lot of process of elimination and they I'm almost there I got 50,000 in the bag guys it's gonna take me a couple more minutes Sorry, it took so long. I had to find another bag to put the money in. Yeah, just push it under the bed. You gotta be careful because pizza wrap might steal your money. If I understand New York. I wonder if this is a Toronto set. I guess it must be, right? Yeah, they probably have the set in Toronto. Oh, they didn't shoot it in New York apartment. Now we learn that his name is Langman. It's the only name we learn. We'd like to talk to you, but we'd like you to brush your teeth first. <laughs> is that really the line? Oh, yeah, reference to burglar. <laughs> yeah, burglar. That was fun when we watched that movie. It was. Because I was here this afternoon. Do you have any witnesses? Well, yeah, my cat. Ooh, bada bing, as we say in the other show. Many bands I've ticked out. Wow. Yeah, she was so good in Goodfellas. Was she? Was she? Or did she do her job? Yeah. No. I don't no. know. Good. She's good. She uh, she conveyed it perfectly, and you know she went through the different phases perfectly. It would be it's nice if she would have a facial expression. Well, that's just her acting. Yeah. Just, there's actors who are like that. They just. Uh oh. Money's out. Oh no, the money. Money's out. How gaudy! Huh? That's always new money flashing their their wealth. Yeah, new money is Who's old money? low class. New money. You can take the new money <laughs> out of the low class, but you can't take the low class out of the new money. Oh, I say that all the time. Remember seeing new garbage cans. So he's like, this guy has a nice he's like, I don't know nothing. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden he flips and he's like, you guys got to get out of here. You don't have a warrant. And he freaks on him. Yeah, because they're going through his bed. Like, they're looking through his shit. Don't you need a, a warrant? Is that Campbell? Around in people's pots? Yeah, he is. I agree with this guy. Right. Yeah, yeah this is I'm just cooking Campbell soup. <laughs> That's right. Hey, this is pretty expensive soup. Well, I, I on the way home, I got it. I had a million dollars. It's their organic line. It's about 10 cents more, but, you know, the ingredients are organic. 
It says so in the box. It's heart healthy. I pay extra. All right, watch this now. Here comes the big sneeze. Okay. Wee-hoo. Whoa. That's an actor sneeze, too. Oh, busted. Mom and dad catching you. But the thing is, Walt oh, and it ends like that? did it so much better, right? Do you remember the end in the 74? He goes, achoo! Yeah. And Walter Matthau opens the door like, gotcha. Yeah, right. And then they don't immediately cut to the credits. God, this film immediately like, wah, wah, yeah. Commercials, you know, TV. Based on the original story by O. Henry. Right, these credits are probably not even seen like this. They're probably in the corner on the TV set going, right. next on Sci-Fi. Right. It's Shark Plus versus Crab Monster. Wow, these credits are rolling. All right, Carl, we are done. We made it to the end of the credits, no less. There's Leo, wrong way. What you think of uh, the taking of Pelham 123 from 1998? All I can say is interesting, you know, interesting to see their take on it compared to the other two movies. I saw the other ones, and uh, it just was there. It was just there. And listen, they had some good actors there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had a lot of, like, uh, uh, good stuff. No, but, but uh, Dono Frio alone, right? He could have done some really good right. moments in which he, like, had a heart-to-heart with Edward almost. Or, you know, when Mr. They Brown was having her was... moments, he could have stepped in. A lot of, uh, you know, dramatic points there didn't happen in this film. Well, I think a lot of this just had to do with the production schedule because a lot of the scenes were just almost in one room talking to on the phone. And yeah. then there was, like, two other, like, barrier shots. And then the other one must have been shot immediately. Like, they just, you know, I don't know. I have to say, it wasn't bad. I don't see the – if it was on TV, I would watch it. And just yeah. as much as I watched it right now. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't imagine uh, – I don't know. There's, there's some things that are like the TV version of a movie I saw in the theater. Okay, why not? <laughs> so it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I I liked it. It's probably my third favorite t- taking of Pelham 123 movies. Yeah, out of the three, it's it ranks third. And that's pretty good. Yeah, it ranks third. Yeah, it, it makes the top three. So that's not bad. Uh, all right. Well, that has been Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. You can always listen to us uh, first on mutinyradio.fm, Sundays at 2. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast feed. Under the name L W A F L M O Y T, subscribe but don't listen. We would love the uh, the numbers to go up. Uh, Carl, is there any way people can reach you? What's your phone number? Uh, yeah, it's two zero one eight seven. I better not. <laughs> nah, you still have a two zero one area code? That's yes, old school. Yes, I do. Jersey. Yes, I do. One. Yeah. I got an AOL email too. <laughs> What's the that jerk, email account? The <laughs> jerk two is out there. It's out there. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's T-O-U. It's a TV movie. Wow. All right. Jerk 2. T-O-O. My only issue. Yeah. All right. 
Okay, so next week we're going to be watching The Jerk 2 from 1984. <laughs> Nightmare Matinee. Uh, oh, my goodness. All right, there we go. So that's our next week's movie. That was easy. Oh, is this time? When it's funny, when I see full-length movies and it's always prefaced with, like, say, Nightmare Matinee, what I see is a guy who has a passion for these movies and uh-huh. he's posting, not only is he posting them on YouTube, but he's kind of creating the matinee feel and, like, you know, as a channel, I'm going to describe this guy right off the bat, Deranged Visions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's the trailer to The Jerk 2. Uh, dun, dun. 1979, America was in love with The Jerk. This Thursday at 8 p.m., ABC presents The Jerk 2. It's the same movie, even without all the racist shit. I was born a white guy with a white family, and nothing happened. Deep, deep, deep. It's family entertainment. TV sanitized The Jerk. Radar. Uh, rated G. Rated G. Rated R. Still Radar. Well, that's been our show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, we look forward to you checking us out next Sunday and being with us as we watch The Jerk 2 from 1984. Carl, it's been a pleasure. I, I agree. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Michael. See you next time. Thanks. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman, let's watch a song. I, I'm Mike's friend. My turn-ons are satin sheets. I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to call. The French duh, not the duh, duh. Let's watch a full-length movie on This is MutinyRadio.fm in San Francisco, California, and it is time to ride the morning train.
the music of Jerry Allen begins today's journey on the morning train. Jerry Allen, of course, the great pianist who has played with many people over the years and from one of her own albums as a leader there in a trio setting. The album was Twilight. That's with a Y, T-W-Y-L-I-G-H-T. Released in 1989, the Jerry Allen Trio with uh, Jeribu Shahid on the bass, Tani Tabal on the drums. We heard When Kabuya Dances and Shadow Series, the vocalist on the latter, Clarice Taylor Bell, the music of Jerry Allen. Here on the, mus- on the morning train, Freeform Radio for Free Minds. We're heading into a long stretch with Charles Mingus. So sit back and dig it.
This is the morning train on mutinyradio.fm in .sf, and I am your sole driver, J.D. Buell. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for supporting the station. A special thanks to those of you who came down for last Saturday's Noise Pop 20th Street Block Party. Your contributions, no matter how small, keep this radio station on the air. From the album Changes One, released in 1975, that was Charles Mingus, and we heard Sue's Changes. Charles on the bass there, of course, joined by Danny Richmond on drums, George Adams, tenor sax, Jack Walrath, trumpet, and that was Don Pullen on the piano, the music of Charles Mingus. We're moving on now because it is time to get down. Get down! 
Funkifies now, some of the greatest R&B music ever made in America. That set began with Curtis Mayfield, 1971, and Get Down, followed by Earth, Wind, and Fire from 1973. That was Keep Your Head to the Sky. We'll send that one out to my wonderful friend and student, the Mighty Mo. I know she's listening today. There's some early Earth, Wind, and Fire. The first song I saw them perform on television in 1973, and I just went, wow. (laughs) My path in life was set. That was followed by the Jackson 5 and Dancing Machine, one of the last hits they had on Motown before leaving the label for Columbia. That was 1974, and also from 1974, the group that came to prominence at that time, The Spinners and Mighty Love, another television memory for those of you who are around at that time or have seen it on YouTube, the time that The Spinners appeared on Saturday Night Live and Bill Murray was just beside himself (laughs) introducing them live to the crowd. He could barely contain his enthusiasm. The Great Spinners here on the morning train with J.D. Buell and we are headed elsewhere now with the also mighty Tennessee Ernie Ford.
The sweet, sweet sounds of Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, and Emmy Lou Harris together for their first album named Trio. We heard the great Those Memories of You. That was Dolly on the lead vocal. And that stellar acoustic lead guitar was Albert Lee, and the fiddle was Mark O'Connor. The album Trio, released in 1987. Before that, Tennessee Ernie Ford from a collection named Tennessee Ernie Ford Favorites. Of course, on the Capitol label, he was one of the, the uh, signature signings of the new country music sound coming out of Los Angeles in the Capitol Records building. We heard you don't have to be a baby to cry. Well, this is The Morning Train, and I'm J.D. Buell, and we're going to rock a while. Here's Ronnie Wood saying hello. Well, hello, New York. It is an extreme pleasure to be here. We got a lot of different kinds of songs for you tonight. Here's another one completely out of left field. 